Picture yourself going to a doctor, maybe a dentist, uh, maybe a counselor, maybe a mechanic, and uh, you go, uh, you go, you make an appointment and you go, and uh, then they ask you very bluntly, so what's your problem? Uh, that, that's, that could be a long and complicated answer, couldn't it? Uh, you know, do, do you want the whole list or just the top 10 things that are wrong with me? Uh, if you were going to your mechanic, you might say, well, there's a rattle when I, uh, when I, when I drive, there's a rattle. Um, it also doesn't start very well, especially on Tuesdays. Uh, and I, there's no acceleration and uh, the tires are bald and there's a lot of rust uh, on my vehicle. And so uh, I, got, I got quite a few problems. Maybe you go into the doctor and you say, the doctor says, so what are, you, what are you struggling with? And you say, well, my back hurts. My back hurts and I'm getting headaches and I got this fungus growing on my feet and uh, I, I can't see very well. I can't see very well. Uh, and also I have this twitching that goes on. Uh, and and after you list out all the things that you have and are struggling, you go, so what are we going to do, Doc? What are we going to do? What, how, can you fix me? Can you fix me? Um, and, and we're longing to be fixed, right? We're longing to. Can you make it go away? Can you make the problems of my life simply go away? They might be more difficult than that. They might be something in your marriage or with your kids. And... Uh, somebody asks you, so what's going on? And you go, oh, I don't know. And you, and you describe some of the communication problems and some of the fights that you have and the, 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 the way you see differently. And you just go, how do you fix it? How do you change it? How do you make it go away? Uh, this uh, is some of the questions and hurts of life. And I trust that this morning that you'll have those sort of things. Uh, I, don't, I don't think the latter. I don't think just because you came this morning, uh, you're the good people, and you don't have any problems. I, I figure you're, you're needy in some way. You're thirsty for God's work in your life. And I hope we always stay that way, thirsty for God's work in our life. And so as we look to the book of 1 Peter, we're really beginning our study uh, we start with a passage that really starts from the answer from the beginning, okay? Uh, if you'd stand in honor of God's Word, I'd like to read to you, starting in verse 3 down through verse 9. We won't go through all that this morning, but just to give a little bit of context to our passage this morning. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable and undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by, the power, uh, by, the, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, You have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, 
though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, uh, though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. God, thank you for your word. Guide us through it now and may your spirit impact our hearts and change us, refocus us on the answer to the problems of our heart and life. God, we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> I realize that some people think that pastors are snake oil salesmen. I realize that. I realize that. In fact, uh, it's kind of fun and funny to be a pastor. Um, you go out in the community and you're talking to your friends or your kids' friends' parents and uh, and some of them go, oh, so what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a pastor. And they go, ooh. <laughs> you, you know, and they, you know, games and stuff, they, you know, you're cheering, but they, they kind of drift away from you and oh, the pastor doesn't talk to me again. <laughs> Guy's weird. Um, but uh, th- there's a sense where pastors... Uh, you know, preachers are snake oil salesmen. They 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 act like they have all the answers. They they talk like they have the, the miracle cure. And I just want to tell you um, that I'm just going by the holy scriptures that God revealed to us. And this morning uh, I look at this and I rejoice in my heart that I have something to share with you that truly works for whatever problems you're having. I didn't make this stuff up. I couldn't have. I wasn't that smart. Um, it, it seems maybe outrageous, but it's not because Jesus was a man. It starts out in verse 3, and it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And this line kind of sets up the next couple of paragraphs or the ch- next chapter of what we should be thinking about. And it, that, that word blessed or praise be uh, is uh, a, a word of worship. And worship, if you think about it, it's just focusing on the greatness of something or someone else. And as Peter is writing, and, and I want you to think about the context here. We're going to get into it real quick on the next weeks, but persecution persecution, isolation, loneliness, hurt, difficulty in life. This is what his readers were going through. And some of you are going through that this morning. You're saying, oh, I just can't get over the things in my life. I struggle in whatever area that is, whether it be health or relationships or money or all these things. And and you say, I just feel like I can't get over it. And this is the group of people that were struggling to walk with Christ in a world that wasn't cheering for them. And so what does he say to, say to them? The first thing he says, verse 3, Blessed be our God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
give praise or praise Him or bless Him or uh, the idea of worship Him, worship Him, our God. Uh, what most of the time when we think of the answers to our life, we think, well, if my life just gets better, uh, I'll be happy. <laughs> I, I need to think about myself more often. I, I need to uh, get a better picture or a better hairdo or a better car or a better something or a better job. If I, if I fixate on somehow making my life better, I'll be happy. I'll be fulfilled. It'll be the answer to my life. In fact, that's what commercials do all, all the time, right? Uh, you can sit home, uh, some of you do, and watch TV, and you, you, daytime TV has the answer for everything that ails you, right? Better insurance, a better bathtub, uh, a lawyer that's going to win your case. You know, if you want to be depressed, just watch the commercials on the television on daytime TV. Not that the nighttime ones are any better, but they're especially depressing during the day. And all of them are focused on self. If you fix something, if you get something for yourself, then life will be good for you. Um, And he presents the answer for you and for me in verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Worship him. Focus on him. The answer is not thinking about yourself more. It's praising the God who deserves it more. It's for you and I to focus on Him. Blessed be your praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He says this, and I'll just uh, bring this up to you so you can consider it for later. But this section, uh, the reason he is praising God Uh, who is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to go on in the next chapter to just talk about really the riches that people who know Jesus Christ have in their salvation, the gospel. Uh, How rich they are because of what Jesus did. And in this verse, it highlights that it was God's plan that Jesus would go to the cross. If you remember... When Jesus was in the garden, it says in Luke 22, he, he was praying to the Father, and it says, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, my, not my will, but yours be done. The plan of salvation was the Father's worked out in the Son. The Son is the one who accomplished it by going to the cross, but the plan was the Father's that he would save our souls. And, and so, uh, when we think about our souls being saved, we praise God for it because it was his plan. We can also praise Jesus for it because he is the one who accomplished it. But in this passage, it focuses on the Father's work and the plan of salvation. And so he deserves to be praised. Which is different, isn't it? Most of life is uh, are, are seeking to gain praise. Uh, hey, don't, don't you like the way I did that? Or don't you like the way I look today? Or don't you like the way I spoke? And don't you think I'm funny? Or don't you think I'm this? And don't you like me? And the answer is this. 
that we would focus and worship on the God who loved us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us. And this morning, we are going to begin a focus on the riches of salvation. That you are rich today. And I, I don't need to check your bank account to know so. If you know Jesus this morning, you are a rich man or woman. You're rich. And you say, well, but, but, but there, there's some things going on that, you know, I really feel. No, you are rich today because of the Father's plan worked out in his son, Jesus. So this beginning verse, verse 3, blessed be the God and our, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because the Father's plan is worked out in the Son. And I want to tell you, this is the key to our lives right here and right now. Right now. This is the key. It's interesting. Quite a few of the New Testament books go like this. They have a greeting. They have a greeting at the beginning. And then there's a lot of like description of God description of uh, his son Jesus, and specifically, like theology, how this works out, how this works out, how, and and really what we're going to look at today, begin to look at, is what is the gospel, what is the good news, and how do we get salvation, and that's that first part of a lot of these books in the New Testament, and then the second part is how it works out, and this morning we're going to look at some of the riches that come from Jesus because of the plan of the Father. And I'd say it this way. Everything changes because of Jesus. Everything. And and this morning, if there's anyone here, maybe you've been coming for a long time and you're just lonely and you live out here in Bear Valley and you need something to do, glad you're here. But if you're just here for the snacks in between service, I just want to tell you, uh, it's not even close. It's not even close to what, we're, what, what the riches that you could have in Jesus because he changes everything. That you would have a, a forgiven relationship with you. All the sins that you've forgiven, that, that those can be taken care of. Zach used the word righteousness. You can be right with God. You can be right with God. That sounds crazy, doesn't it? Because he knows everything that you've done better than you know what you've done. You've forgotten some sins. He, he, he's got a perfect memory. He remembers them all. He'll take care of every one of them in his son, Jesus. And he changes everything. What was I talking about? First Peter, First Peter chapter 1. Everything changes because of Jesus. Why? Uh, we're going to start in verse um, 4. Why? Because we are born again. Because we are born again. If you look down at verse 4, verse 4, um, I'm sorry, verse 3, middle of verse 3. It says this, According to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Um. Born again. It's hard to imagine that, you know. Uh, th- this picture, it's not a real common one. I'm sure Jesus used it as he was speaking, uh, talking about what it is to uh, know him, is to be born again. And then this passage right here, it uses this idea of being born again. 
we realize that uh, being born is the most dramatic event that we've ever been to, right? Uh, a birth, the birth is mysterious. Those of you who are moms and dads who have been there, um, you realize how magnificent it is and how uh, incredible it is. And it's not something that's small. And Jesus takes uh, for us, as he describes born again, and now Peter, uh, as he describes what we get, he says, you are not just touched up a little bit. You weren't put in the parts washer, if you will. Uh, it wasn't just simply getting a new limb. You're born again. And this is the gift that ha- and this is what it is to have new life. Jesus brings about new life. Well, why? Why is this so great? Why does this go back to him? A lot of times uh, we look at the great accomplishments of our life and we say, I did it. I did it. Uh, I graduated from high school. I got an A on the test. I built a house. I went to work. I earned a paycheck. I did this, that, or the other thing. I climbed the mountain, whatever it is. I did it. And this passage starts out praising God. You know why? Because he did it. Because he did it. What was the basis for you to be born again? Well, it says, according to his great mercy. According to his great mercy. hate to break it to you. According to his great mercy. It wasn't according to your great works. It wasn't your hard, your good work ethic. It wasn't your smarts. Uh, it wasn't any of that. It was according to his great mercy for you. He, he was not acting justly when it came to you. He was acting merciful. You deserved, and it wasn't even close. It wasn't even close. It wasn't that he just rounded up so you got the passing grade. Some of you have begged for that before, right? Saved the day. They rounded up. Um, I want to tell you that it was not because he rounded up. It wasn't that you were even close to earning a place in his kingdom. It wasn't even close that you were close to uh, earning this situation where you would have new life in him. You were condemned. You were condemned. You were dirty. You you were uh, guilty. And it says, according to his great mercy. The wording here and the the um, the grammar used it, it, it says it kind of awkwardly in our minds. He caused us to be born again. He caused us to be born again. Now, uh, it, it's not that um, we were talking um, in the staff meeting about. We might go through the book of Galatians here soon. That was my other book that I really wanted to go through. First Peter and uh, one of our staff members said, you know. Everyone struggles with legalism. Everybody. Galatians is a big book on legalism. Everyone does. And you say, well, I don't. Yes, you do. You just said it. Right? You thought you were good enough. You thought you were good enough. You thought that it was because of you. You thought that somehow, some way that you were good enough. And he starts out this book, this idea of praising God, worshiping him, focusing on him. Why? Because it was his great mercy. It was his great mercy. Why? Because he caused us. 
He caused us. He made us be able to. He was the one that made the difference that we, you and I, could be born again. Can't happen without God. It's impossible. It will not happen without Him. And so if it will not happen without Him, who gets the praise for our salvation? It's Him. He says, uh, as you look down here, according to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again to a living hope. You know, what a beautiful thing to talk about living hope. The idea that uh, it's not just a hope for today. It's not just a hope that will be realized, but it's this thing that lives going once again, born again, living. Now we have life. We have growth. We have green as opposed to dead, right? Uh, he is uh, he's saying things have changed because of Jesus. You now have a living hope. And as we look at this, we realize that this is through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. This is a resurrection day message. In fact, I, I think many years back, maybe eight or so, maybe I'll do it again. Uh, I preached this message, this passage on Easter morning because it's a resurrection passage. The new life that we have, the, the hope, the li- living hope that we have is connected to Jesus conquering death himself and that we would experience that because of his resurrection, we have resurrection. We sang about it this morning. What a wonderful thing. And so the dramatic change going from uh, dead things that won't give us hope to a living hope is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And so as you think about this, why are we praising God Why are we praising Him? Because we are born again. Because we are born again. Secondly, why are we praising God? Because we have an inheritance. Because we have an inheritance. The passage goes on. uh, Verse 4. And this is what He... uh, We're born again to. This is what we have this new hope for. This living hope. This is uh, what was secured in the resurrection. What is it? It's an inheritance, verse 4. To an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, and kept in heaven for you. Um, Inheritance, that's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Uh, you, You like the idea of inheritance. And what is inheritance? It's a gift that you haven't worked for. That's what it is. It's just a gift. It's something that wasn't yours or what wasn't your possession. It's somebody else's that they worked for and got, and now they give it to you. They, they give it to you permanently. It's this you know, inheritance. Most of the time we think of it in terms of the death of one handing over to the one who is still alive. And so he describes the riches that we have as an inheritance that we receive. Now, uh, some of you could point right now. You say, I, I've received an inheritance, and I spent it all. Or, I, 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 you know, I got this car, I got this car, and I sold it. Or, it no longer runs. Or, I left it out in my yard, and it rusted, and uh, it's a piece of junk, and I had the, you know, it was something that wasn't worth anything, and so I didn't take it away. 
we look at inheritance and we realize that they have a shelf life. We realize that it won't last forever. We realize that it's something temporary and it has a value at one time that won't necessarily stay there forever. And so he wants to describe, he says, inheritance. Ah, I like inheritance. He says, no, 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 no. This isn't like any other inheritance that you've ever received. This isn't one you can read about. This is different. This is very different that you receive. And and because it's different, we praise God for that. It's this gift handed down. And, And it's a gift that, first of all, will not perish, will not perish. You, you think about everything that you have, uh, it starts with a, a value. And if you leave it and it's not taken care of and it, it, it perishes, it falls apart. Uh, I, need to, I need to confess something that one of my favorite type shows to watch is either like Pickers or these... Uh, pawn shops or something like that. And some of you are with me. It means, you know what that means? It means that we have a lot of junk because we always dream fantasy land that something in our garage is worth something, okay? And that we don't know it's there. That, that's the part that's really fun, right? Because I know there's a lot of things that I, I don't know, you know what they are and where they are or if they're there. But we have this picture in our mind that somehow there's of something of value in our garage that hasn't been taken care of, that's you know been there for years, we didn't know about it, and that it's of great value. And I love it when they take it to someone and they go, hey, you know, what, what do you think? And they look at it and they go, yeah, that's exactly what you thought it was. This is what it is. But it's falling apart. And some kid wrote on it, and, well, what's it worth? Nothing. Nothing. It, it's gone. It, it's run its course, and it's, it's perished. It's, it's no longer any good. He uses other words to describe a similar, uh, the similar decay, if you will. Uh, it, it's something, he says, imperishable and undefiled. It's not something that can be ruined. Uh, something that can be ruined. You think about it, and and you think about um, a well of water that might be this amazing water, but if it gets contaminated, it's no good anymore. A lot of this picture, many of the commentators believe, goes back to the Old Testament when they were looking into the promised land, Canaan, and they were uh, given that land by God. There were you know, there were houses that they didn't build and there were vineyards that they hadn't planted. And, and there was this sense where God had taken it away and he'd given it to them as an inheritance. But all those things that they were given, those houses and all those things could be ruined, could be polluted, could be something that is no longer of value. And he says, let me tell you, the inheritance that you will receive because of Jesus doing what he did on the cross, as part of the plan of the Father, what? It's, it's undefiled. It's not something that can be defiled. And the last word he uses is unfading. Unfading. And this idea that uh, something will be taken away by time, that time will not erase this. 
Uh, some of that's just us having a, a short attention span. But over time, time erases some things. It takes away the value. Not because it, the, the, the thing falls apart, but it's just not as good anymore, right? Uh, some of you have a, a, a rotary telephone that's in perfect condition. Funny, funny thing. Some of you don't know what a rotary phone is, and that's another issue, okay? We, we realize that over time, over time, things fade away. And he's describing, he's describing this inheritance you receive because of Jesus, because of the plan of the Father. He's describing it as something different than all other inheritance you can receive here. And it's one that will not change or lose value over time. And the last thing he tells us about this is, is beautiful. He says, it's kept in heaven for you. It's kept in heaven. Um, some of you know about this as a kid. There were things that your family had set aside for you. They might have been you know, money or it might have been some special valuable thing. But you didn't get to touch it. You know Why? Because you would have messed it up. You would have ruined it. And so it's set aside for you. It's put in a special place. And this, in even greater sense, he's saying, in heaven for you. It's, it's gone ahead of you. It's, it's in your new home that you're waiting for. And so we praise God. Why? Because we have an inheritance. We praise Him because we have an inheritance. And lastly, in this passage, and there's more blessings to come in the weeks to come as we go through uh, the book of First Peter. He says, uh, verse 5, who, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. We praise God for our salvation. Why? Because our salvation is secure. Secure. It's taken care of. It's done. Because of Jesus. Because of the Father. You look at this and you go, uh, I hope that there's a sense, not of crippling fear, but of fear of you messing things up. Right? You've been given a gift and you say, oh, I just don't want to mess it up. I want to take care of it. I want to, you know, I want, I want this. And as we look at our salvation, we realize that it's not over yet in the sense of, uh, we don't, haven't received all the benefits of this. This is a future thing that we look to. But know this, that our salvation is secure. Secure. Verse 5, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. Who's the one guarding the gate? Who's the one whose power is the thing that we have to trust in? It's God's power, Right? Um, I, I want to tell you that we are weak people. Uh, we feel like we're on a roller coaster sometimes, our emotions and the, the struggles that we have. But I want to tell you, your salvation isn't dependent on your weakness being as good as it can be. It's the power of God at work in you. And so we rejoice. Who by God's power... If you can separate the two, uh, if you want to see God's part, it's God's power. It's his power. Our part, what's our part? 
is being guarded through faith. It's our faith that's our part. But I want to tell you, he's done that too. Okay? Uh, it's not that we're unwilling partners uh, in salvation with him. It's that he gave us the part that we have anyways. Uh, think about that for a little bit. Um, we are being guarded through our faith. Our faith is based upon his power. And, and he, he uses the word faith. There will be a day when this faith is no longer needed because it's realized. It's no longer the living hope that we're looking for. It's something that we have right now. And that's what he points to at the end of verse 5. He says, for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. I want to tell you, we're just getting started uh, with all the riches that we have in salvation. And there will be a culmination where we receive all that it, we, we have, all the riches that we have in Christ. And it is a later time where we receive this. This morning, uh, we kind of just, like I said, we're just scratching the surface here, this first chapter. And we'll talk again and again and again about the riches found in salvation. But I have three things for you to remember this morning as we conclude our time. The first one is this, and this idea of remembering. I want to tell you that most of what preaching is, um, especially for those of you who have been around a long time, this church, other churches like this church, um, it's just reminding you, reminding you over and over again. The, uh, the Bible is very repetitious, and I don't want to say that in a sense of like just the same things over and over again, but the, some of the same themes spoken by different authors to different people that we will go over and over and over and over again uh, as by way of reminder. And why that is, is because we are prone and we are bombarded with the lies of this world. And so we need to hear from God. And so uh, three things for us to remember this morning. The first one is this. You are rich if you have Jesus. You're rich if you have Jesus no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. You are rich if you have Jesus no matter what. I know, I know there's all those things, those problems we talked about earlier. I know those are there. I want to tell you is that, that as we uh, consider our life, we can uh, sit back and go, I'm rich because of Jesus. Second thing is this. Praise God all the time. Praise God all the time. Um, why? Because that salvation that we have, that, those riches that we have, are because of Him. They're because of Him. And so there's this idea for us that the really the focal point of our life is not ourselves, but it's the God who did it all for us. His plan worked out in His Son, Jesus, uh, that we should praise Him all the time. And lastly, I want to encourage you, I want you to remind yourself to not worry about the future. He has got you. He has got you. Um, How many of you get scared on roller coasters? Come on, come on. I don't like them. I don't like them. I'll go on them, but I don't like them. And there's a sense where you, you have to uh, talk yourself through them, right? How many of you talk to yourself before going on something like that? You kind of talk to yourself. and you, So you're in line, and you go, you're looking around, and you're going, 
This 10-year-old kid can do it. I certainly can do it, right? You know, and you're watching it, and you're watching it go. Well, didn't look like anybody fell off that time. They probably had, like, and you're talking yourself through. You're going, uh, they probably had engineers. There's probably some safety things that they got to check these things, right? I haven't heard of anybody dying. Well, I did hear that. But, uh, uh, and, you, and you're talking yourself through, and, you, and you're, you're thinking about all the safety precautions that make this okay. And, and, and you're putting your trust in, you know, the laws or regulations or the, the, the people that are working there, or that bar that comes over you, or you're, you're, you're sorting it out and you're, you're saying, this is okay to do because of these things. And I just want to tell you, the confidence that you can have in this life for the days ahead is just simply... It's not put, it's not because the future is going to get better. It's not because the sun's going to shine tomorrow. I don't know if it will or won't. I, I don't know if our country is going to do well. I don't know about your finances. I don't know about your health. I don't know about any of that stuff. But why should we not worry about the future? Is that we know he has got us. That he's the one. That he's the one that says it's okay. Whether I live or whether I die. I can trust in the God who deserves praise because of his son, Jesus. We'll continue our study in this in the weeks to come. God, thank you for this morning. God, I do ask that you would use this study in our lives to help us to understand the riches that are found in your son, Jesus, as part of your plan. God, I do pray for those who are struggling uh, to grasp the gospel and even maybe some who are resisting the gospel to to put their faith in you, that they kind of want a little bit, but they don't want to turn their life over to you. God, I pray that you would continue your work in their life, that your spirit would work in them in such a way that you would draw them to yourself. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your plan worked out in us, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.